1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I uh, saw uh, Michael Kopech is thrown off flat ground and then went out to the bullpen. Do you know how he is doing and maybe what's the next step for him? Yeah, I think so. It's off the mound tomorrow. They're talking maybe now like Friday when we get home. Maybe simulate a game with some hitters, and because everything so far is moving in the right direction. So I think hopefully the throw goes good
2: tomorrow. Friday, especially, is a positive, and then we'll see where we are. That is Tony La Russa talking about his injured pitcher and on his way back. That's Kopeck he's talking about there, Sean Anderson. Uh, Michael Kopeck, when he went down with the left hamstring soreness, it was feared at first that it was much worse. And then it was kind of a relief. But it's been a while. It's been a while. A simulated game Kopeck threw with hitters in the box, in the batting box pregame. That is a big, big step forward for Michael Kopeck. He has not pitched in the big league since the 26th of May against the st louis cardinals and that's when he had the injury if he uh, responds well yesterday the plan was going to be for kopech to throw another simulated game on monday so he's not an option to pitch today if you're just tuning in we now know and thanks to among others uh james fox um from future Sox, he knows stuff he follows close i think he was listening to the nashville sounds radio call if uh if i read this tweet correctly or at least someone hipped him to it there. Um, and Jimmy Lambert is on his way up here. Jimmy Lambert will be the 27th guy today. We now have that officially. But anyway, um, it would be nice if Kopeck were available today, but he's not. A simulated game for Kopeck on Monday, and he could come back to the White Sox without making a rehab assignment um, in Charlotte. But he might... Get sent back down to Charlotte. We'll see though. I mean, if he's throwing two sim games, two sim games in the bullpen might mean you don't need to bother to send him to Charlotte. You know, he's a pro. As long as you know his body is responding, I don't think he needs Charlotte. So that would be very, very good to see. At this point, you're still looking for that right handed reliever in the circle of trust for the White Sox. And it is surprising and kind of unfortunate that the bullpen has not been able to rise up as a collective and do what everybody thought it would do. Some guys have been very, very good, uh, but others have been scary and untrustworthy. And trying to figure out what's up with Cody Hoyer. Is it uh, that his, his stuff sure does look to me like it has a little less movement on it. You can track that kind of thing, of course. It could also be that people have gotten a look at Cody Hoyer and have now scouted him. And they know what they're getting out of Cody Hoyer. And it becomes a different thing where then he's going to have to counter. And you can't just get by doing what you've been doing your whole big league career as short as it, as it has been. But so that's the word on Kopech. Another sim game probably tomorrow. And maybe he could come back and be a bullpen piece by the middle of the week. Adam Engel's going to be a while. As we go through some of the injuries here on 670, the score, it is hit and run. It's me, Matt Spiegel. And we'll have Ron Coomer in an hour uh, to talk some Cubs. If you want to hop in, you can do it right now. 312-644-6767. You can talk White Sox, talk Cubs with me. Anything you like is wide open and available for you here on hit and run as we broadcast live from the hyundai studios brought to you by your local hyundai dealers and the tech zone where you can get me at 312-644-6767 is brought to you by rosen hyundai of algonquin save time shop online at rosenhyundai.com so that's up what's up with Copec in the outfield Adam Engel has a strained right hamstring. It's the same hamstring you strained the first time. When you re-aggravate the same hamstring, there becomes this fear that you came back too soon. And there, it comes along with this mistrust of your own body and your own ability to read the symptoms, as well as the team's ability to read the symptoms. So I bet it's going to be longer for Engel to be out now than it was the first time. I- I mean, I don't know that for sure, of course, from days to days, but I expect them to be much more careful in hustling Adam Engel back than they were the last time. And they were even careful the last time. It sucks. It's the second time that Engel's been sidelined with the same issue. Didn't show up until the 6th of June. Only played 10 games, but was very useful. Remember, he, he stole a home run in his first game in the outfield as uh, well as having an OPS of about 865 with three omers and four ribs. Very much missed is Adam Engel. And then there's Adam Eaton, who's supposed to come back soon here, maybe the next few days. Soreness, various points of soreness. Welcome to my world, Adam, okay? Welcome to my world. Just kind of sore all over, and then they throw him on the injured list. He hasn't had a good offensive year, hitting only a buck 95, seven doubles, two triples, five homers. Does have 30 runs scored, but had 18 of his 27 RBIs in April. It was a rough go in May and early June as he was clearly hurt. So we'll see when Eaton's going to come back. Might be soon. Angle for a while after that. Eloy Jimenez. We know, we heard just this past Monday that Jimenez medically cleared to resume baseball activities, but that is going to be a four-week process. We've so got another three weeks of that, and then Eloy would have to get a rehab assignment. So that is very much up in the air. You don't know. See, you, you read all these things, you hear all these things, and that's why, man, go get outfield depth. Jim Bowden of The Athletic recently published his Top 40 trade targets for this season. He does it every year. The former GM, pretty good, complete list. Lots of outfielders on that list. Both Martez, Starling, and Cattell. Gregory Polanco, who some of you just got a good look at in Pittsburgh. Mitch Haniger of Seattle that I mentioned. Corey Dickerson. Joey Gallo, of course, uh, high on that list. I really do think time is now for White Sox to make their move. Is it going to be Eduardo Escobar, as Bob Nightingale hinted strongly? Maybe. But outfield, outfield, outfield
3: will well, be to, the thing to do. I got a question because in three weeks it will be like the 18th, July 18th. If Eloy is able to return then, have a rehab assignment. By the 25th, that Sunday, that's the Sunday before uh, the trade deadline, do mm-hmm. you think they'll have enough to know if he'll be ready by the 18th or like What's, what's your questioning, or do you think they need to make a move for an outfield bat regardless? So you said the 18th will
2: be four weeks. That'll be baseball activities. And, and then you're looking at a rehab stint on the 18th, theoretically, with a total of 13 days to decide whether you can trust him and his body the rest of the way. Sketchy. I would go get a bat either way. Because at this point, you're going to be down Angle. Who knows how long you're going to be down Eaton. Robert might not come come back. I would go get a rental outfielder right the hell now. Look, it's not as if Andrew Vaughn is tearing it up offensively. He still does well against lefties, but overall, the OPS is still under 700. Um, And he's been very solid in left field, and that's been fun. But if you're going to cost Andrew Vaughn at bats, I mean, wouldn't it be great if your final two bench pieces, men number 25 and 26 on this team, were Andrew Vaughn and Leory Garcia. You know, I, 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 th- I think that would be terrific. If Leory Garcia, uh, you know, and Danny Mendick, possibly as your three bench guys, there are three of your four, because then you've got, you've got serious flexibility all across the board. You know, Vaughn can play third, obviously, and could play first, although it's seldom needed. Obviously could TH. Has shown you we could play left. Has shown you we could play right in a pinch. And Leori could play all over the place and is the perfect guy. The longest tenured White Sox player is Leori Garcia. Amazing. Longer than Abreu. Longer than anyone. And is the perfect guy to be the last piece on the bench for a championship caliber team. That's what he should be. I would go get an outfield bat and I'd go get myself a rental outfield bat so I have to pay as little as possible for it. And I would have done it yesterday. But... You know, I, 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 I assume they're trying. There have not been big trades of consequence, but look what the Brewers have done since Willie Adamas got there. In fact, Sean, during the course of the show, if you wouldn't mind, as I um, have a show meeting live on the air, find me the Brewers' numbers since Adamas got there. Wins, losses, offensive production, since Willie Adamas got there. And I really appreciate the Brewers' willingness to be aggressive After trading for Luis Urias and having him at shortstop and thinking that's going to be our guy, they've moved on fairly quickly in the grand scheme of things. And this is what you have to do. If you're going to be one of these under-payrolled teams who has to stay efficient, you must also stay flexible and malleable and shuffle things around to keep yourself relevant. Keep yourself vital and have the very best options possible. The Brewers have established themselves as one of the better organizations at getting that done. They really have. The best, of course, is Tampa Bay, who just it just churns them out developmentally. And they can trade away Willie Adamas and bring up a really good young shortstop who's not named Wander Franco. And then two weeks later, bring up Wander Franco. It's, it's unbelievable how many pieces they have, how good their trades are when they make them, and how terrific their pitching development is, that they can move on from Blake Snell, move on from Willie Adamas, and still maintain first place in the American League East. Billy Hamilton could also come back for these White Sox. Billy Hamilton um, strained the oblique on his right side, He had been making some steady progress, but felt a little twinge in that oblique on the 17th of June. Billy Hamilton is a nice story. Uh, He's given more than expected. I really love the relationship with he and Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson telling him not to give up on himself, telling the public, why should uh, people believe he just can't hit? supposed to just give up and say he can't hit. See, that'll teach me for giving up on Jason Hayward like I did four days ago. So Billy Hamilton is an option, but that is a final bench piece as well. You know that, that that's one of your options. Hell, because Leori could play the infield and because Vaughn could play the infield, your eventual playoff roster, if you got yourself uh, an outfielder and you add Eloy back, Billy Hamilton could be that speed guy as your final piece of the roster. He and Leori could be at the back end of the bench. That'd be fine, but he should be not someone you count on. So there's your injury updates from the White Sox. I mentioned earlier in the show that Jace Fry uh, has been activated from the 60-day injured list and is in Charlotte. And is in Charlotte and is working in Charlotte and is a lefty reliever with a good fastball and a decent secondary pitch might make his way to the majors in the next couple of weeks. I would not be surprised if a Jace Fry for Garrett Crochet swap was something that the White Sox consider. Uh, No news on Luis Robert, no news on Nick Madrigal. Um, I think it was the 10th of June. Rick Hahn said that Luis Robert was progressing well and that their trajectories were both good. We remain optimistic on both returning at some point this year, but remember Robert is uh, very much a wait and see how it recovers kind of thing. Let's get to the Cubs injuries here. Nico Horner could be back very, very soon. Early July was the prognosis. He's been seen running, doing some pregame work. And in fact, today on the 27th of June, he starts a rehab assignment in Iowa. Traveled with the Cubs to L.A., was working with the team's trainers out there. But he starts a rehab assignment in Iowa today. And um, I, I bet he'll be back within a few days, and that will be very, very welcome. We'll see what the roster move will be then. But Nico Horner brings a different approach to the plate that the Cubs greatly need. Matt Duffy and his lower back strain. He has just now finally started to resume baseball activities. This from yesterday says he, quote, feels better than before. He landed on the injured list in late May on June 25th, it was the first time he threw a baseball in more than a month. Oy. so the lower back, if they can get Duffy and Nico back, that will be very, very helpful. Because I got Matt Duffy fever. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. I've talked about Matt Duffy fever. I had it earlier in the year and people laughed at me. And then all of you came around and said, Speaks, you're right. It's good to have Matt Duffy fever.
3: He's been our uh, computer background here in the studio for about two months now. Has he really? Who's in love with Matt Duffy? Who has Matt Duffy fever? And put that there. I made it it after uh, he, I think he had a double at a home game and then gave a thumbs up to the dugout. So it's Matt Duffy Duffy giving a thumbs up to the Cubs dugout.
2: Uh, Well, and really the thumbs up is to the score producers there in the studio. Exactly. You know, nice
3: smiling Matt Duffy face to greet us every time we come to work.
2: That is a useful dude. A very solid big leaguer who loves to make contact. He doesn't mind hitting a home run if he makes real good contact, but he wants to make contact and put the ball in play. And you need guys like that in your lineup. And when people see that happening, when hitters see that happening and see some success, they are more likely, by virtue of peer pressure, whether it is said or not, more likely to make a a, a minute sacrifice in their mind and just get the damn ball in play. So, bring me back Matt Duffy and Nico Horner. Put them in the lineup because I got a fever. Let me hear it again. I enjoy that. I got a Matt Duffy fever. <laughs> and it demands more Matt Duffy. Uh, Justin Steele might be back soon as well. Early July possible for Justin Steele, the lefty reliever. Uh, he is, uh, is he in Iowa now? I think, I think he's about to go to Iowa if he's not there already doing a rehab stint. Um, I think he is there now. So Justin Steele could be a factor as a lefty reliever. Although Rex Brothers has been real good Andrew Chafin has been obviously great. And Brad Wick has been on fire. So I don't know that Justin Steele would come steamrolling back to the big league roster right now. Probably not. Trevor Williams, who had the appendectomy, is also on his way to Iowa today for a rehab stint. So a lot of activity here. And those are the guys you care about the most. Dylan um, Dylan Maples is a TBD, but Dylan Maples is not a trustworthy guy in terms of finding the plate, and he was the dead last guy in that bullpen. Not going to be someone you you count on in high leverage.
3: He struck out two in uh, a perfect inning last night in his uh, rehab stint, Maples's.
2: Okay, well, Maples can get the ball over the plate in all sorts of situations that don't have a lot of... Uh, pressure and leverage to it. And then sometimes he can get up in his own head and the mechanics get chaotic and he can't find the plate in games that matter. But we'll see. I, I, know, I believe they're out of options on Dylan Maples. So, and I don't think he would clear. He's not one of those guys who would clear waivers because you know what Dylan Maples reminds me of? Terrific Dodgers reliever Blake Trinan. I mean, the stuff isn't quite that good, but it, you can see it from there. I mean, his slider, Maples' slider, has about as much movement as Trinan's preposterous slider. It really does. So if Maples was ever to control it, if some other team was able to untap that, there's no way that guy would sneak through waivers. So maybe he is destined to come back to the big leagues. Uh, David Bodie is probably going to be available soon for the active roster after the left shoulder dislocation could begin a rehab assignment earlier this week, but he needs some more steps there. That's going to be interesting. What do you do with Patrick Wisdom when David Bodie is ready to come back and play? Some tough decisions going on there. 670, the score is where you are. Matt Spiegel is who you're listening to right here on Hit and Run. Phone lines are open at 312-644-6767. There are a couple other guys we didn't get to. Rowan Wick had a throwing session in late May, Um, But there's really been no update in about a month on Rowan Wick. So no new update there. Texture says, that's who you're a fan of, Matt effing Duffy. No, I, I like a lot of different hitters, sir. I got a Matt Duffy fever. So, but. You know, if you listen closely, you'll hear nuance to the conversation and not just, you know, one guy I happen to be saying nice things about, which defines my entire baseball sensibilities. Thank you for listening, though. I appreciate that. Texture says, why did your mean Mercedes get so bad? Did the league figure him out? Did he develop a hole in his swing? What happened? We've talked a lot about that. There has been some chase and some desperation in your mean Mercedes over the past month and a half that is really distressing. And he can't seem to stop. That two strike approach where he takes the big uh, leg kick away and just kind of makes contact and stays alive. Sometimes we've seen that at the beginning of an at bat or on an 0 1 count. And he just kind of reaches and fouls stuff off, chasing. So he'll chase and make bad contact or he'll chase and swing and miss, but he gets himself in a hole and gets behind in the count right away. It's been a very disorganized approach from your mean Mercedes, which has been kind of troubling. And I I, I find myself going back to the scouting reports that we had read about earlier in the year and wondering if there was validity to some of that stuff, some of that kind of sort of specious doubt that Buck Showalter gave voice to, that other guys gave voice to, or is this just in a bubble, your mean doubting himself and unable to dig himself out of the mental hole he's clearly in. Been troubling, that's for sure. And as you think about the roster construction for the White Sox, obviously when Eloy gets here, should he get here, there is no room for your mean Mercedes, and it could be before that. A bat-only DH is a tough thing to carry, especially if not rolling and producing. Your mean will forever have played a very important role in getting this club going at the beginning of the year, no matter what happens. But uh, big league time could be waning for your mean Mercedes at this point. It is 670. The score speaks here with you on hit and run. Ron Coomer at the top of the hour. Your phone calls welcome all morning long at 312-644-6767. Your texts welcome there as well. Um, Just an absolutely dead wrong fact from a former Chicago broadcaster thrown out there last night. Want to get to that and my experience at the newly 100 percent available guaranteed rate field from Friday night. I want to talk about that. So we'll do those two things coming up next. Keep it right here on Hit and Run on the Score.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
2: You've got hit and run. The scores baseball show already on 670. The score, man, Fernando Tatis with three homers on Friday off three different pitches. He has that special swag right now, that athleticism and magnetism where you just can't take your eyes off of him. And the swing talent is outrageous. Just, just Unbelievable. He admitted he was definitely thinking home run and at bats four and five. Just, oh yeah, absolutely I was trying to go four and five. I mean, the, the volume of, of interesting young talent in baseball is so massive right now. It should be a very alluring and exciting game right now. There's still not enough balls in play, but guess what? We're getting there. You know what we haven't mentioned even once so far in the show? Sticky stuff. I mean, I knew we were going to have like a bumpy week or two weeks as the entire league was getting adjusted to it and guys are getting checked and the awkward optics of checking pitchers was taking place and people would bitch about that. And Sergio Romo was being a petulant little child and taking off his pants and Max Scherzer is running his fingers through his hair, grabbing hair gel as best he can. Joe Girardi. You know, um, getting Scherzer checked, and then those guys are, I mean, all that stuff has been ugly and, and, and silly to see, but it's working. It is working. Spin rate, spin rate. Save it. Ah, Coom, <laughs> like it's not spin rate. It's cheat rate. <laughs> it is cheat rate, Coom, and it's working. They're getting it out of the game. Rob Arthur from Baseball Prospectus wrote a great piece about how well it is working about how it there's a crazy reduction in spin rates across the league. And there really is not a good historical parallel for just how low the spin rates are going to go. But remember where I was on this and I continue to be there. And Rob Arthur is among those who is, it was there very much that this is going to cut strikeout rate a lot. It is going to boost balls in play a lot. And boost runs and scoring a lot. Eventually, when the dust of this all settles. And wouldn't that be lovely? It's not the only thing to do. They'll do more, but so far this is working. And people aren't being stupid enough to flaunt it and cheat it. I was uh, I was at guaranteed rate on Friday night. And was there to watch... Um, Was there to watch the White Sox and the Mariners and didn't even realize as we scrambled on a Friday night and said, you know what, why don't we go to the game? We were free and it was like, okay, all of a sudden we had a free evening, my wife and I, um, and we're in the mood to kind of go out and celebrate a little bit and get out there in the world in this newly, mostly open world. And our choices were, let's go to the movies and go see a quiet place too, which is not at home available. And it's probably great to see in the theater because the first one was great to see in the theater. Should we do that? No, let's go to the White Sox game. So I dragged my meatball cub fan wife to the White Sox game. I'll tweet a picture in a minute. She was kicking and screaming going to the White Sox game. But then she had a very good time because it was a nice atmosphere. Now, it wasn't a good game. The the Yasmani Grandal home run was just about it for the offense for a while. Until later on in the game, Carlos Rodon was not on his game. But it was nice to be in the presence of baseball. And there was a lot of folks there. What was official attendance on Friday, Sean? I did not see, having been in the ballpark at the time. It felt nice and full. I was happy for the White Sox, happy for White Sox fans. On a fireworks night as well. It was nice to see. And, um... We decided to stick around and wait it out for the fireworks at the end of the night. So, the first night for 100% attendance for the White Sox: uh, 32, 189. 32, 189. It's a solid showing. It's a solid showing. A lot of people are still hesitant about going out and getting into that stuff. Cubs didn't sell out their first game at 100% either. But 32, and it felt nice and full. Um, They have some adjustments to make at the ballpark to the process, just as the Cubs did. I told those truths about Wrigley uh, at the time early on going guaranteed rate. There are no vendors at all. I did not see a single vendor anywhere walking up and down the aisles. There were 10 or 12 of the delivery vendors. When you order from your seat, the mobile ordering and they were kind of taking a long time. One guy came in, and delivered our beers and dogs and apologized, said there's just a few of us. I said, okay, I think you said there were 12 of them. I could have ordered for pickup, I suppose. The lines were kind of brutal on the concourse. But you go up there and you you listen to the game and you wait uh, on the concourse uh, for a beverage. But I bet they'll get that stuff dialed in. I don't know if vendors are going to come back in full to the south side. Maybe they'll have some more of the delivery vendors. But if you're going today or you're going soon to the White Sox game, I would recommend the mobile order for pickup from the concession stand that is nearest to you. I'll tell you what they need. They need the fancy new metal detectors that have sweeped the nation. The company is called Evolve, E-V-O-L-V. And these metal detectors, maybe you've noticed uh, at some places, Wrigley among them, like, wait, I don't have to take out my keys or my phone or my vape pen or whatever out of my pocket? That seems... Oddly well-timed to have a technological advancement that speeds things up for a contactless process. That seems odd. It is a true technological advancement. This company called Evolve. This uh, detector, the new one that they have, it looks for guns or any other explosives specifically without necessitating that you take other metal things out of your pockets. Amazing. Amazing. It is, in fact, a remarkably well-timed technological evolution. Many ballparks have it now. I suspect that all NFL stadiums will to get sixty or 70,000 people in. Some in MLB, not at all. Um, Wrigley, yes. Guaranteed rate, no. I'm not sure if they'll upgrade to that, but that would speed up the process of going in. But I, I got to tell you, the fireworks display extremely high-end top-notch and fun worth waiting through a dreary game and I forgot how good those fireworks are at the end of a game unless this was some special first night blowout I think this was the standard level of fireworks when they do fireworks nights and it was really good I love seeing families circle around to take the better seats behind the plate late in a blowout I was that guy I never begrudge anyone. The seat shifters, if they're available and people have left and you can get away with it, do it. Especially when it's a family thing and I'm seeing the kids and their eyes get wide when they suddenly get a look at a ball game, even for an inning or an inning and a half from behind the plate. It's a different kind of experience. I remember the first time I sat there. God, I think it was Yankee Stadium. My dad got good seats for a Yankee Red Sox game and I saw Wade Box. Wade Boggs, curl a double into the right field gap. I forget who was pitching, but I'll never forget the look of that double when you're behind the plate and you see it come off the bat and curve into the gap. It was like, oh my God. That perspective is just, it changes your appreciation for the game. So if you can get your kids there for an inning or two at the end of a blowout, do it. And this time, as people were doing that, they got the fireworks as well. So you got to catch an inning or two of the good seats and the fireworks as well. I am all for that kind of opportunism at the ballpark. All for it. I, uh, as I watched that game, though, saw some shaky White Sox defense, especially in the infield. Uh, but all around, a little bit shaky on the defense. There was a throw from Leury Garcia. There was not a play at the plate, but it was one of those where, like, you got to see the throw come all the way in as the runner stopped at third, and it was like a three hopper from Liuri, a better arm and right would be, would be nice. And then Juan Mancada Moncada with some more shaky D at third, there was a pop-up and the communication still seemed to be a little off. Abreu eventually took it, but I'm like, don't we know whose ball that is by now? I worry about that White Sox defense. I don't, there are other aspects of the team. I don't worry about too much, but that White Sox defense, especially in the infield, I feel like it is going to end up costing them a game of consequence somewhere along the way. And it, it, it worries me, I must admit. 312-644-6767. Textures reminding me of the vendor shortages that are being experienced all around the game. And you're absolutely right. A lot of MLB parks are experiencing vendor shortages. We learned earlier in the week, by the way, that Mitch Rosen's son, Ben, who was a vendor at Sox Games, was shipped out to Minnesota on a White Sox off day. The Twins imported vendors from the white Sox, as the same concession group runs both ballparks and i find that crazy that minnesota paid for the transportation for six hours for white Sox vendors and put them up in a hotel so they could have them vend at the ball game that can't be financially feasible there's no way in hell that that makes financial stance um uh sense i just can't I, 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 it just can't possibly make sense. But vendors, get back to the ballpark. Get back, vendors. 670 the score is what you're listening to it's hit and run Ron Coomer at the top of the hour when we come back we have official pitching matchups for the one and two-thirds games on the south side we will talk to you about that something interesting there and also uh, some strikeout numbers to know about some things to look at as we preview Cubs and Brewers which starts tomorrow up in Milwaukee for three games in the middle of an extended Cubs road trip that does not end until a week from tomorrow. Coomer at the top. Uh, Stick around all show, though. We're on until noon at 1140. Just a wonderful baseball story to warm your heart. That's at 1140 on Hit and Run here on 670 The Score.
1: So we're waiting for Hector, Santiago, or a pinch hitter. Hector making just his second start
3: of the season.
2: And I think he's down in the locker room. I think sometimes you forget that this is the National League and you actually have to hit uh, so I think I saw a couple of players go down there to maybe remind him
1: <laughs> that, uh, hey, big boy, National League, grab, grab a bat. bat. <laughs> That's exactly what happened.
2: That is some old school Hawk and Stoney on Hector Santiago. Who the f is? PFC William T. Santiago. Private Santiago stays on the base. Hector Santiago is back in the big leagues as a member of the Seattle Mariners. Did you know that? He's pitching today for the Mariners. Here's what's happening with the matchups in the one and two-thirds games for the Mariners and the White Sox today. It's Dallas Keuchel against Hector Santiago to start the fourth inning of the suspended game.
1: You weep for Santiago and you curse
2: the Marines. That's right. That's right. So this counts as a relief appearance for Dallas Keuchel and Hector Santiago. Santiago's done that a lot in his life. He's been a starter. He's been a closer. He's been a long reliever. He's been a lot of places. He's been out of the game. Not a whole lot of relief appearances in the career of one Dallas Keuchel. I can't imagine there's been too many. Uh, This will count as one, although it will feel like a start for Keuchel with a six-inning max. So, interesting. Uh, Scoreless game to be started. And interesting choice to have Keuchel and Santiago be the announced pitchers in the first game, the pickup of the suspension. So there are six innings left in that one. And then the second game, 25 to 30 minutes after the completion of the first one, is a seven-inning game, and that is TBD versus TBD. So nobody announced. So uh, both managers keeping it open with the options for a bullpen game. Jimmy Lambert is the 27th player for the White Sox, called up as part of the doubleheader protocols. So it could be Lambert starting that second game on a short leash. Who knows? But that's fun. Keuchel in Santiago. Um, also, the matchups for Twins White Sox later in the week announced Giolito versus Kenta Maeda tomorrow. Uh, Dylan Cease versus Ober on Tuesday. Jose Barrios versus Carlos Rodon on Wednesday. Whew, that's a fun one. And then Thursday afternoon is TBD for the Twins against Lance Lynn back there. Uh, another note around the division. Zach Plesak scheduled to begin his rehab assignment on Tuesday with A Akron for the Cleveland Indians. So they're down uh, Aaron Savale and Shane Bieber and Zach Plesak, but Plesak starts a rehab stint and still Cleveland maintains existence in the American League Central just two games back. Um, a note about Hector Santiago who wanted to be back in the big leagues in this offseason and nobody was biting. And Hector Santiago is like, look, I can still pitch. I can still pitch. He he was playing winter ball, Uh, played in the Caribbean League, uh, Puerto Rico against Mexico, February of 2021. I'm looking at a picture of Hector Santiago for Team Puerto Rico. And you know what he did? He sent out a resume. He sent out a cover letter and resume to all 30 teams around baseball before last season. He had made five starts in winter ball and he pitched for Puerto Rico in the Caribbean world series. And that was this uh, off season and decided, well, I guess I'll just rest. But he had sent out cover letters and resumes to everyone. And Friday, the 30th of April, he got a call from his agent and the agent said, the Mariners are interested. Hector was coming out of the water from doing a dive and doing some spear fishing (laughs) Oh, my God. I love it. Uh, Sunday afternoon, he's like, hey, you're going to sign your contract? you got to leave tomorrow. You're going to start for the Mariners on Saturday. He's like, Whoa! This escalated real quick. He showed up in Tacoma. They said, you're starting Saturday. Get ready to go. He got 75 pitches. Threw a light bullpen three days before his start on May 8th for Tacoma. He started. Didn't know how his arm was going to bounce back. It's been okay. And here's Hector Santiago. So just it just goes to show um believe in the power of the cover letter and the resume people just go ahead send that thing out all 30 teams sean you want to work for a big league club cover letter resume send it out
3: do i have to be good at baseball
2: uh, that might be a nice touch. Uh, Cubs going to be two up in, three. Yeah, right? You're close. Cubs going to be up in Milwaukee battling the Brewers, and the Brewers have won four in a row and have reestablished themselves um, towards the top of the National League Central Cubs, two games back, depending on what happens today, looking around at the probable pitchers um, right now. It's a night game, by the way. Cubs and Dodgers. Adbert Alzelay. God, another ESPN game. I'll be listening to Pat and Ron right here on 670, the score. Doubtless. I cannot, cannot hear Matty Veskirchen. Although, Veskirchen had a funny moment that we'll get to um, before the show is out here that I want to get to. I promise we'll get to it in the next hour. But so, Cubs and Dodgers, Alzalai versus Kershaw tonight. And meanwhile, for the Brewers, it's Eric Lauer uh, for the Brewers in Milwaukee against Chi Chi Gonzalez of the rockies so set up well for the brewers when you're batting against a guy with a 6.12 era but oh look at that the brewers have peralta and woodruff and burns lined up against the cubs three big power right-handed arms who strike out a lot of people um how have they been historically against these cubs
3: at least this year, Woodruff, 19 innings pitch, 6 hits, 1 earned run, 3 walks, 22 Ks. Peralta, 15 innings pitch, 8 hits, 3 earned runs, 7 walks, 25 Ks. Oh. And Burns, 6 innings pitched, 2 hits, no walks, 10 Ks. For a total of 40 innings pitched, 6 hits, 4 earned runs, over 40 innings, 10 walks, 57 Ks. That's 12.8 Ks per 9, a .90 ERA, and a .65 whip.
2: strikeouts per nine against those three starters that folks is a really good number your career leader in strikeouts per nine i believe remains you darvish for his career and i think it's like 13 check that out for me sean real quick these days sean and i we got a thing we got a thing i don't even have to say check it out he was probably already checking it
3: out darvish 11.09 and you're right 11.09,
2: that's his career case per nine, and it's it's number one in the history of baseball.
3: Sale is closing in, so if we're going by decimals, Darvish, 11.0929, Chris Sale, 11.0839. So a little bit off for Chris Sale.
2: Chris Sale faced hitters for the first time since having Tommy John surgery yesterday. And Chris Sale... Looked really good, says Alex Cora. It was just a 15-pitch live batting practice session. That's all it was. He warmed up in the bullpen as he would for a regular start. Then he threw fastballs, change-ups, and sliders. Alex Cora said everything looked good. He felt well. It went well. His next one is next week. We're excited. He looked really good. That would obviously big. For the Red Sox to get Chris Sale back. They're 15 games over 500, just a half game back of Tampa Bay. The Yankees, six games back in the American League Central. Blue Jays, six and a half games back in the American League Central. Starting to be some very interesting stuff as we steamroll towards the All-Star break here in Major League Baseball. But yes, Cubs have their hands full with those three guys. What I need to know, and I, I, I'm, you know, we'll talk about it, I'm certain, tomorrow on Parkins and Spiegel is what the spin rate numbers say about Burns and Woodruff and Peralta in the wake of the sticky stuff crackdown. And even more interesting to me is whether the pitch mix has changed at all for those guys. Remember, it has changed drastically for some pitchers who realize that their four-seam fastball is not going to be as devastating. And so they find themselves throwing more change-ups, more two-seam fastballs with that sinking action. Some stuff that they'd abandoned, they're now having to come back to as they reapproach life without the unhittable stuff that spider-tack allows. I love it.
3: Real quick, speaks to, you asked for uh, the Brewers' offensive number since May 22nd when they uh, acquired... Um, Willie Adamas. Willie Adamas. They're 22-10 and 10 since May 22nd. Um, since May 22nd, they have 44 home runs, a 94 WRC+, plus, uh, mm. 218 average, 310 on base, and 393 slugging, which doesn't sound good. But before May 22nd, uh, 82 WRC+. Plus, so they've seen an increase of 12 in that. Uh, they have seen an increase in their average from... 212 to 218 Mm -hmm. on base from 298 to 310 and from slugging 363 to 393. So Adamas and Yelich being back have really boosted them a little bit.
2: Yeah. So uh, uh, good stuff. Thank you. For anybody who doesn't know, WRC plus is uh, 100 is league average. So that is under league average, but as a team, the 100 is league, right? And so, but as a team, that's, it's not great, but it's, it's better. Things have been getting better. For the Brewers bats and it's the starting pitching that continues to carry them we'll talk about Cubs Brewers other things Cubs hitting sticky stuff whatevs with the great Ron Coomer that's coming up next on Hit and run on 670 the score
0: baseball is back and so is MLB.tv watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices anywhere anytime all season long follow the action live or on demand